I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of let me check my notes here. A pod divided? Is that what we're calling this now? The full ride? A pod divided? I don't know, but it's on the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, where my good friend, Philly University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is also here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back talking ball like we do every week, man. We talk ball on this very show. What is this? Week 10? Week 10. It's moving right along. The season flies by. Time flies when you are having fun, I think is uh, what they say. That is what they say. And if you're watching us on YouTube, first of all, thank you for checking out uh, the full episodes here on the YouTube channel. It's where over 1.4 thousand subs here. So as we keep climbing and get to 1.5, hopefully over the weekend, uh, make sure you're locked in and you hit that subscribe button, like button on this video and make sure people, uh, more and more people see it, uh, comment on this very show uh, if you can, uh, that we would love to hear from you guys. You can also uh, check us out on all the social media platforms at Chase Most Podcast. Find us there. You can check out the homepage, the website. Yeah, it's new. It's great. Chasenomspodcast.com. Subscribe and check that out today. Bookmark it, all that good stuff. Uh, newsletter for all the uh, tidbits about the show and everything we got going on each and every day here with new episodes on this daily show. SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. You can get in touch with the show with any of your college football questions for Matt or myself or anything about the show at Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and write a review and tell other people why they should check out this very show as well. So that concludes the housekeeping portion of this very show. Matt Green, uh, where are we going first from our old friend Nigel the Nighthawk who has uh, delivered some news before we get into our Week 10 pick? So suddenly pivotal Week 10 after my uh, tough week uh, last week. 
This is true. Well, um, you know, I don't think we can even keep up with the Connor Stallions uh, mm, saga. No. You know, there's there's just craziness every day there. But we're just we're just tuned in. We're the we're the the dude eating popcorn meme. Mm-hmm. We're just along for the show, along for the ride. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, we got glasses now that are like that are videotaping. <laughs> play like it's just every day. It's something new and yeah, amazing. I did see that one. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest story of this week is our first college football playoff rankings. And I told the uh, Georgia fans out there, be prepared for Georgia not be number one. And I told everyone out there, every, everyone else out there, be prepared for the uh, Georgia fans to be uh, complaining about not being number one and being playing the disrespect card. Most importantly, if this team wins something down the stretch, they're going to say it was us against the world, that that whole thing. And you know what? Putting them at number two, back-to-back national champions. Maybe they have a point. Um, I mean, does this yeah, feel like the I, best team in the country right now? Do you think they earn number one? I do think Georgia's the best team in the country right now. Because I, I think the only other team that really looks more dominant is Michigan. But it's like, I think they're the only team that's the contender that actually has played a weaker schedule than Georgia to this point. Mm-hmm. So um, it, that's the one thing I kind of question with the committee is it's like, I guess it's a combination, you know, of, of eye test versus resume. But I feel like if I don't think anyone really thinks Ohio State is number one. Like, yeah, but they I think they clearly have the best resume. So them being number one, like, I don't hate on it. It's they have the best resume. But then you look at Florida State and Washington, and you're like, well, they definitely have better resumes than Georgia and, and Michigan to this point. So it's interesting to see them at four and five. But, I mean, I guess it's more recent. Georgia's had their close calls, you know, a few weeks back as opposed to Washington having some close calls as of late. So, you know, maybe that's fresh in the committee's mind, but, um, you know, ultimately, obviously this, luckily these la these like sick five, six spots are going to work themselves out and we're going to see some of these teams play on the field. Um, but yeah, that's probably my, my biggest takeaway from, from the very top of the rankings. Yeah. I mean, I don't, think i think it's a good point of like does anyone actually think ohio state's the best team in the country like they have some good wins here i think based on resume i think it's fine to put them at number one but i would be surprised at the end of the year if they're number one the offense just isn't quite there like there's still a lot of good pieces they have the top three talent like they can absolutely be there i will say the georgia fans who got upset about this it's like georgia fans drubbing ohio state fans is very strange because look i get michigan because it's like you actually waxed you waxed michigan in the orange bowl a year uh what a year and a half ago like we've seen that play out uh in a college football playoff game in the last two years and what that looked like for michigan and georgia when they were matched up against one another we also saw last year or really this year what happened when ohio state and georgia got matched up on a neutral field and it was close and it came down uh to the wire and ohio state won the majority of that game so it's like i don't really understand the georgia fans who really get upset about ohio state because i'm like Ohio State played you better than anybody did last year. And if you played again this year, like if I had to guess, I would assume Georgia and Ohio State would be a really close matchup on a neutral field. Don't you? I'm not sure what I think, to be honest, mm. uh, when I look at those two teams, because it's it's hard. It's hard to know exactly how to measure Georgia with with the schedule they've played so far. Like Florida, Florida was just such a big game atmosphere and everything rivalry game. And they came to play. Oh, this Florida team could lose like four of their final five games and, and mm-hmm. end up six and six or so. So this team could be super average, but I, I just kind of look at the firepower Georgia has offensively and, and the quarterback play Georgia's gotten. And I mean, 
Ohio State should have the firepower. We know about their playmakers, but just for whatever reason, and I think it's got to be the quarterback play, they just haven't looked great offensively. I think these their, their defenses looked great, but, I mean, that's another thing. We If we want to start to talk about all these Big Ten offenses, like like half of them are, are under that uh, Brian Ferentz 25 points per game. I think over half the yeah. conference is under the 25 points well, per Well, all game, the Big so. Ten West is. Yeah, so there you go. So it's... Uh, it's hard to know exactly how to measure some of these teams. I think at least we're going to see, you know, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State round robin, and we'll get a little bit of closure there. But um, I don't know. To this point, I just I look at Georgia. Like, even if Ohio State has a better defense than Georgia, like say they do, does anyone have a significantly better defense than Georgia? Like, I don't, it's hard to ever see Georgia being on a field and someone having a huge advantage over them uh, in terms of a their defense. So. And then you look at Georgia right now offensively, and I think they're the only team in the country that's in the top 10 offensively and defensively. So um, you just look at the the kind of the firepower they have on offense. I'm not sure any of those other undefeateds um, have the combination of offense and defense that Georgia does. That's fair. I also just think a lot of this is matchups. Like I think Ohio State matches up better with some teams than other teams. I think Michigan matches up better with some teams than other teams. The only team that's matchup averse is Georgia, which maybe speaks to your point of like they're the best team is that it doesn't really matter. It, it Honestly, what's weird of this group who I think would push Georgia the most is Florida State. I actually think Florida State being as top heavy as they are in the wide receiver talent they have out wide and just kind of what we've seen from this group to this point and what they did against an LSU team where LSU had more talent uh, than Florida State the last two years, and they were still able to push them around. Um, my gut tells me that this year in particular, and I, I people know how I feel about um, uh, Florida State down the stretch here, but I think they would actually, of the four, would give Georgia the most problems, uh, potentially in a neutral side game. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they're definitely a team that... Um that has a lot of firepower. And then Jordan Travis, I think is also, I think in in terms of the quarterbacks on the undefeated teams, I mean, honestly, no disrespect to Washington. I think we're all waiting for Washington to lose. It's just, it's starting to feel like this team doesn't have what it takes to go undefeated. So yeah, they are still there. And Michael Penix is a stud, but in terms of the other three teams there with uh, Michigan, Ohio state and Florida state, I think Jordan Travis is the best quarterback of that group. And I think that Florida State is the most dangerous offense. But but Michigan, you know, a lot's going to change with Michigan. Because at this point, I just have no no, I have no idea what to make of them. They go mm. out and beat Penn State 31 to nothing. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Maybe Michigan is legit. They're this juggernaut that they kind of looked like playing against a bunch of inferior competition. But they go out and smash Penn State and Ohio State. Then all of a sudden... Okay, I might be giving J.J. McCarthy a little bit more respect, but right now, I'm just still not sure about him. Hmm. One thing I found interesting, um, top 13 is Hmm. the 13 one-loss or undefeated teams left in college football. There's no, like, oh, this two-loss team is better than this one-loss team, strength of schedule. It's just top 13 best records, essentially, right now, is how this this first playoff ranking is uh, set up. I mean that's fair uh matt green uh you have something about conferences i think too as well correct i do it got me thinking i think we've talked all year uh about the pac-12 being the uh the, the premier conference in college football and we might need to pump the brakes on that because 
maybe they just had some solid schedules that that were a little backloaded that allowed some teams to start five and zero, six and zero, all get up there in the rankings. The SEC had a pretty pretty bad uh, non conference uh, showing this year, but some of those were in some of the more marquee games in the country. But right now, you look at you look at the uh, SEC. You got Georgia in the in the top two. You got Alabama up there in the top ten. Ole Miss in the top ten. Missouri at twelve. LSU at fourteen. Like that's about as strong as any conference in the country right now. You're going to see some of those teams play each other. I think Georgia's going to play a couple of them, right? Mm. Um, and obviously Alabama, LSU this week. But um, I think we might need to pump the brakes. I think Washington's looked a little shaky. I think Arizona, Arizona's one team that's not ranked, that's kind of showing some life. But, you know, USC's kind of, you know, letting, being a letdown so far this year. Colorado, obviously, they, they fell off the map. But Utah, UCLA, just some of these teams are playing each other now. I think Washington still has three ranked team, uh, games on their schedule right now. And USC still has three ranked opponents on their schedule right now. So uh, both of those are including each other. Um, but so you're, you're going to see a lot of these Pac-12 teams continue to play. Oregon and Oregon State, that sort of thing. Oregon and um, uh, Washington and, and USC this week. So I think we might not end up with like the, the six, seven ranked teams like we, we kind of anticipated after a month or two uh, when the season started. I don't hate this uh, take, Matt Green. I think that's actually uh, very much uh, in the cards, sir. So, I mean, we said at the beginning of the year, and this is something that I was not as concerned about. It was just Pac-12. This is what they do every year. They kind of cannibalize themselves. But I will say, I think Oregon is... I still feel pretty good about Oregon being able to run the gauntlet after their one loss. I mean, that uh, win at Utah was extremely impressive. And I'm I'm curious to see what happens with them down the stretch. But I also just, if we talked about it uh, on Sunday night show, what happens if Florida State has one loss, they win the ACC, and Oregon runs the gauntlet, and they have one loss and beat the team that they have their one loss to in the uh, Pac-12 title game. And um, you're looking at a one loss, maybe Texas team in the <laughs> Big 12 title game, and then you're it just gets very dicey. Uh, for the committee because I still think that's very much in play when you look at schedules and where these teams really are at the moment but in terms of overall depth of the conference like I don't know I still would lean the ACC has been really bad across the board um, I think the Big Ten obviously with the Western Conference being what it is they're not in that group right now but the Big Ten might be the most overrated conference period mm. right now, honestly. Not to get off on a side, yeah. a, a tangent, but it's like we know about the big three brands. Outside of that, it's well. Have you I heard about know, this we... brand, the SEC? They actually might be the best conference <laughs> in college football this year because I think they might be overlooked a little bit. Like Auburn, obviously a little bit spicier. They go out and beat Cal. Like could Auburn beat USC based on how we've seen this USD week to week and the USC or with Auburn's defense and uh, the way they're able to run the ball right now. I mean, I don't know, like Alabama's kind of catching their stride. LSU's catching their stride. A&M. Um, we'll see what happens with them this weekend. Old Miss one loss. They look really good. Mizzou one loss, Tennessee top 17 team. I think brands is part of it. That old Miss yeah. and Missouri being up there in the top 12 it's like it that doesn't hit the same as when it's florida and texas a&m or, or tennessee like tennessee's not far where they're 17 mm. um but like they're 17 and what are they the sixth ranked team in the uh in the sec right now like that's that's pretty strong yeah 
and I mean, you can make the case. I mean, Tennessee, I think, is better than the sixth best team right now in the sport, but or in the conference. I don't know where they probably fall. We'll see. I mean, it's going to play out over the well, next Missouri, two, three weeks. Anyway. Yeah, Missouri, Tennessee, we'll, we'll decide a little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Matt Green, college football week 10 pick em. You ready to get into it? Or did you have anything else uh, from Nigel before we jump into our pick em? I think uh, that's all I got from Nigel on the uh, on the week. So uh, a damn good we- bird. Damn good bird. Absolutely. So um, let's just go ahead and get this one out of the way. Mm. We're going to start with the uh, with the hometown team here. Uh, Missouri Tigers. Wait, hold on. You got to do our update on where we're going. What what our picks are going into this week, sir. You are correct, sir. So rough couple weeks for uh, for Chase Thomas over there. Uh, Mm. We'll see if he can bounce back. Um, You are 65 and 34 overall on the season. Uh, I am 61 and 38. You get a four game lead, uh, 65% uh, win percentage there. And mm. then um, against the spread, you are 54, 41, and four to my 51, 44, and four. So you got a three game lead there, 54% on the season. And then we got Zeus, uh, eight and three with his home dog of the week. And it might be uh, it might be a home dog kind of week uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Looking at this uh, this slate we got this week, but okay. we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Um, let's start things off. The Missouri Tigers going to Athens, Georgia, mm. top twelve matchup. Georgia's a sixteen point favorite in this one. Prime time, three thirty CBS. You can. You can call it the times prime time if you want, but in the SEC, three thirty is prime time. I will be in the building for this one, sir. Uh, Georgia's ten and one all time. Well, not all time, but uh, since Missouri joined the SEC, but we know this was uh, Georgia's probably closest call of the regular season a year ago. Um, but this time it's in Athens. How do you uh, mm-hmm. how do you see this game going? Well, first I would take it off TV, Matt Green, because Georgia should not be in these big slots. They should be on Jefferson Pilot Sports. Each and every week until the dynasty um, is hey, over. They've been playing some good games this year. It's one thing in 2021 and 2022, there were some beatdowns. Uh, Auburn, Auburn, Georgia, that was interesting. You're not wrong. That was interesting. And hey, we will always have that opening drive from Florida uh, that made us think <laughs> that that game might have been interesting uh, last week. So maybe it's just you need to stop going to these games uh, down the stretch here, Matt Green. Are we about to find out that back-to-back weeks of Matt being in the house uh gives georgia and kirby a little bit of extra pep in their step week over week i don't know we're about to find out in back-to-back weeks we shall see and i uh, i remember a few years back i think it was like 2007 i actually went to the georgia game the week after the florida georgia beat florida and it was like it was like the most hype highlight reel of all time because back then georgia was just starving for wins over florida but i will say even though it's what is it is it six out of seven i think georgia's beating florida now um it doesn't get old that's the uh that's definitely the number one rival um from the bulldogs perspective but um i uh i've been digging into this game a little bit because missouri's got a pretty good offense you know we all know about luther burden and um kind of the points the shootouts they've been in this year but looking at brady cook i'm still trying to figure out if brady cook is legit i look at his four games versus non-power five and vanderbilt because i'm not going to count them as power five mm. he's completing 77 percent of his passes nine touchdowns zero picks 192.7 qb rating mm. you look at his four games versus 
power five competition that three sec teams in uh, kansas state he's completing 64 percent of his passes 13 points less six touchdowns three picks good not great mm. and 143.9 qb rating so significantly different when he's playing and that's not even the best teams that's LS, lsu defense that's absolutely awful who he did torch but uh, through a couple of picks too. And then you got South Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas state. Kansas state's been a pretty good defense this year as well. But, um, and uh, that was also one of his better games, but uh, I- I'm thinking Georgia's the best defense he's played to this point. And I'm not sure. I'm still not sure if he's a, if he's a dude yet. I think he's a dude this year. I mean, I think he's like one of those quarterbacks. He's kind of in that Emory Jones zone from Florida. Uh, two years well, ago, we definitely wouldn't call Emory Jones a dude. Emory think, Jones was as average as it gets. I think Emory Jones had his moments, and he also diced up Tennessee at home a couple years ago. Maybe Emory Jones is not the best version. I maybe like Nick Fitzgerald, like the best version of him at uh, Mississippi State. No, that's mean. I, I think he's a little bit better passer than Nick. Yeah. No, I don't know if there's a great comp for Brady Cook because he's pretty fearless. He's a lot of fun. He's not very big. Um, he has a great connection with Luther Burden uh, to this point. Luther Burden been one of the best receivers uh, in the conference all season long. Um, but the defense is still very susceptible uh, when we look at this one. But I just wonder, why are we doing this? Why are we talking at Mizzou on the road at uh, Georgia? Is it just because it's Mizzou was a 10th team in the country? No, here's the difference. You always like from the outside looking in, Matt Green, I get it. You and I, we study the sport. We're involved in this. Every year, we're, we're watching these games. You and I both know they're falling down this rabbit hole, and they're like, oh, South Carolina, they gave uh, they gave old Georgia a first-half issue, made Georgia fans sweat a little bit in the rain. Here's the problem. The home games are where you get Georgia. Like Mizzou taking you into their doghouse at 7 o'clock on ESPN where Georgia's sleepwalking through that one. That's where you want to be. That's kind of the spot where Georgia... I think is going to be most susceptible to lose the streak. The reason I'm interested in Georgia week over week, Matt Green, is because we're in uncharted waters uh, for for you dog fans because they've won 25 straight. They've won 41 of their last 42, which is just insane. I just, I wonder where, like, how it does end. Like, I'm just fascinated because eventually it will end. Georgia fans, guess what? It is going to end. You are going to lose it. It may never end. No, it's going to end. (laughs) And... They've won like 35 of their last uh, regular season games. 23 straight wins at home, Matt Green. 18 of those, uh, they've won 18 straight. They've also won 23 of 24 against SEC East opponents in that time span. So you go through all these numbers and they're just preposterous. You read different things and you're just like, you study the stats and you're looking at different stuff and you're like, I mean, they just need one more win. And they're tying Alabama's uh, run of uh, 26 straight uh, a decade ago. The SEC record is 28. So if that's a reason alone to tune in, it's like, will Georgia break the SEC record? Tennessee at Neyland, America's team, might be the only thing standing uh, in the way of the Death Star that Kirby's so built. So I think I Athens. previously said that would be to break the record, but I guess that would actually be to tie the record. Okay. Because this would be 26, Ole Miss 27, that would be 28. So yeah. So I guess Georgia Tech would be to to break that record if if they can keep it going that long. 
here's the other thing too that I think makes winning at Georgia so hard year over year. Georgia's number one in the conference in opposing third down defense. So it's really hard to convert on third down when you're in Sanford. And the worst way to get yourself in a hole against Georgia is not being able to convert on third down and not being able to sustain long drives and not being able to really keep Georgia's offense from getting in a rhythm offensively and really making Georgia's defense sweat by being on the field longer than they expect. I think that's where I look at it. It's like, can Luther Burden separate uh, over the middle and keep these drives going and keep Mizzou on the field long enough um, to compete the, convert those key third down drives? I don't know. My gut tells me no. The spread being as high as it is tells me I don't think this will be the game that maybe a lot of people might think it will uh, going into this one. I think Ole Miss is one I have more circled. If it, they were going to lose a home one, I feel like Ole Miss to me speaks more uh, as uh, one that's a possibility. Although I'm still of the opinion that uh, the road spot is bigger, uh, a bigger test in kneeling because obviously Tennessee has not lost a home game since Georgia came into town in 2021. So I think that will be uh, a rubber meets the road match. But for me, long way of saying, I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia covers. I think this one's over going into the second half. Give me Georgia. Give me Georgia 41. This Mizzou defense is not very good. Give me Georgia 41, Mizzou 24. Because I do think Mizzou gets some points on Georgia. I think that was like the exact score I uh, I picked myself, actually. Mm. Uh, 41-24 sounds pretty good to me, sir. Um, yeah, I just I think uh, you look at some of these games Georgia's played, the defense isn't as like just, you know, impenetrable as it's been the last couple of years, but it's still very good. Florida, even though, you know, honestly kind of two of their touchdowns were kind of garbage time, but you know, they were still able to put up 20 points. So Missouri, I think is able to keep it competitive a little bit longer. Maybe their offense is able to put together a couple more drives, but yeah, I'm with you. I just don't see uh, uh, this, them really slowing Georgia's uh, offense down too much. Like you look where they rank right now. Like they're roughly, they're roughly, I think they're just behind Florida in terms of total yards per game allowed. And Kentucky and Florida were both top 20 defenses before they had to play Georgia and and Georgia hung like I think like 600 yards on Kentucky so Missouri hasn't even had that Georgia they do have the LSU data point in there which didn't help but they haven't even played this Georgia offense yet so I think uh, I think Georgia's gonna have a pretty big day so I'm with you I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it with the same score uh 41 24 all right where are we going next Matt Green let's go to uh college game day game of the week it is Alabama LSU to decide the SEC West. I don't know if that's hundred percent true. Can the SEC West be decided tomorrow uh, or this weekend? Ole Miss it does still have one loss, so maybe they're still mathematical, mathematically alive there. But for all intents and purposes, this may decide the SEC West. And uh, Alabama comes in this one as a what is it four, three and a half point favorite. How do you half, see this yeah. one? How do you see this one going? So I think there's like some revisionist history on uh, LSU right now. LSU obviously loses to Florida State. It's open the year. They have two losses, Matt Green. They're one and two against ranked teams this year. One and two. Um, They barely won at home last year. Took a gutsy two-point conversion late for them to steal one uh, against uh, the Crimson Tide uh, a season ago. 
LSU's number one in long scrimmage plays in the SEC. But then you dive in, you're like, Bama's quietly getting in the top five in the conference in 20-plus yard plays, 30-plus yard plays, 40-plus yard plays. Milrow is kind of a gunner. They're they're hitting some chunk plays. Like They were able to do it against Tennessee uh, a little bit more, especially in that second half. Um, I think Bama's offense is getting more comfortable. I don't think it's ever going to be uh, elite this year. I don't think that's coming. But remember, LSU should have really lost to Mizzou um, a few weeks prior. Like Mizzou really threw that game away. And Jaden Daniels deserves a lot of credit because Jaden was really good uh, going in uh, to that game. And what he's done this year, he's been electric. And that offense has been exceptionally fun. However, you are now going into Alabama. Tennessee just figured this out two weeks ago. It's really, really hard to win in Tuscaloosa. The calls are not going to come for LSU in this game. We've seen how uh, that works. Maybe uh, Hold your breath on a live ball penalty on this one. But I also just look at it and I wonder, I don't think LSU is at a point where they're going to be that kind of team, that breakthrough and get back to the SEC title game. I don't think we're looking at a rematch of LSU, uh, Georgia and the rematch uh, in, in Atlanta in a few weeks. No, for me, it feels like we're on the verge of Alabama and Georgia finally reconvening uh, in Atlanta and a winner-take-all type format of getting to the college football playoffs. So for me, I'm going to say uh, LSU, I don't I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think LSU is ultimately going to pull this game out. I think a lot of people are going to want LSU to win this game that I think a lot of people are going to talk themselves into LSU winning this game. But this is a team that uh, should have lost to Mizzou. They should really have three losses uh, to this point, and they don't um, by <laughs> by just a, a thin margin. I think LSU has some real problems. I think the defense really stinks. I think Alabama's going to have a lot of success, especially in the second half uh, against this LSU defense. So I think Bama not only wins, I think Bama wins and Bama covers uh, in this one. So um, give me uh, Alabama to win and Alabama to cover at uh let's say something like Bama give me Bama 34 LSU 31 that's that feels right all right so uh this is a game I went back and forth on um like I feel like I've been picking against Alabama all year. You know that. But I did pick them to win the West this year. I do. As much as I've hated on uh, Bama this year, and I feel like this is the uh, the end of their of their reign of terror on the SEC. I um it's just hard to it's hard to know exactly what we're getting in terms of this is the best offense that I think Alabama's faced all year. Like Texas is a really good offense that pretty much exposed Alabama's weaknesses but this is also the best defense I think LSU will have played this year like who's the second best is Florida State I want to say this the the best defense they've played uh to this point and yeah. that's definitely the team that they had the least amount of success against so I I just kept going back and forth I think this kind of feels like the USC Utah game to me to where it's like Alabama. I think they currently rank like 78th in total offense or something in the country. Like just unheard of numbers we've seen from Alabama, but we've seen basically everyone 
I mean, LSU has played some good offenses, to be fair, but we've basically seen everyone have success against LSU's defense. Like, Arkansas is the worst offense in the SEC this year, and they put up 30. So I think I'm going to toe the line here with this three-and-a-half-point spread, and I'm going to uh, hedge my bet. And I'm going to say Alabama pulls this thing off, but give me LSU against the spread. So give me Alabama 34-31. I think this is a good. This is a classic, but I think Alabama basically wraps up wraps up the uh, SEC West on on Saturday night. All right, we agree, Matt Green. Where are we going next? All right, keeping it moving. Let's go to the Big Twelve. We got Kansas State and Texas. Texas has won six straight uh, in this series. Very uh, very similar teams, believe it or not, on paper. Um, Kansas State actually uh, ranks ahead of the big of the of Texas in the Big 12 in in uh, in total offense, um, as well as one of the better defenses in the Big 12. But um, how do you see this game going? So this was one you think that Kansas State's had a lot more success than they have uh, in recent years uh, against the Longhorns. It's a complete difference. Like Ian Boyd had a really good friend of the pod. Ian Boyd of Inside Texas had a really good write up on this, and he's one of the best film guys. Uh, in college football uh, uh, media, and he was talking about uh, in his article where it, it, the story here is just like you saw like Kansas State get blown up the ball by Oklahoma State on defense. They just don't have dudes, and what they were able to get themselves competitive uh, years ago with Bill Snyder, obviously with the JUCO kids and everything else. But like there is just two very very different ways of building the programs, right? Like Kansas State, just a bunch of three star non blue chippers that they just play extremely well together. They're just, uh, it, it's just a different type of winning. And then you have Texas. And when Texas has found themselves in trouble, it's not because of a talent, it's just like a chemistry coordinator, whatever it is. It's just, you see the talent disparity on both sides of the ball uh, each time. But you would think that they actually have had more trouble here, but the horns haven't lost to Kansas state since 2017. Um, like you said, they're both scoring a lot of points in very different ways. Texas at 34.5, but the fundamental difference, uh, and this is something that Ian pointed out is how they're scoring. So Texas is one of the worst red zone offenses in the sport this year. They are a big play machine with AD Mitchell and company. They are big hitters. They want to score in that kind of way. That's how they broke open against Alabama with the deep bombs and big plays. They're, they're an explosive offense but they're not an offense that uh, excels uh, in the red zone. And Kansas State is actually one of the best uh, red zone teams uh, in the country this year. So I think that is going to be extremely interesting because Kansas State's offensive line's good. I think they're going to be okay against Texas's front. And I also think their quarterback, Will Howard, and then Avery Johnson, who's getting in a little bit, their, blue, their first blue chip quarterback in a while, uh, is getting in a little bit, and he's speedster. He's going to be a dude at Kansas State uh, sooner rather than later. And I think Kansas State keeps this close. I think that's why the line is pretty close here at plus four. No Quinn Ewers, it looks like, in this game. Um, so I think this is close. I think uh, the BYU win was big and they showed some stuff. But I think Texas's problems in the red zone might pop up here. And I think this one's going to be closer than people think. And Texas is going to sweat this one out. But I still think Texas ultimately gets the win here at home. Getting Kansas State at home here is a big big spot for them so give me give me the horns 31 and give me give me kansas state 28 and kansas state covers this game all right 
Not so fast, my friend. Mm. Um, I was really uh, maybe it's kind of the vibes you were picking up last week uh, when you when you made that BYU call to upset Texas. But you know, mm. obviously they they won big last week with Malik Murphy, but the the offense doesn't feel the same uh, with him back there. And they might be able to just you know roll through a lot of these teams on the second half of their schedule without the without the same vertical passing game that Quinn Ewers. Uh, provides but um this kansas state team number five rushing offense in college football this season they do it with a lot of different guys too including will howard getting in on the action this texas run defense in fairness has been one of the better ones in the in the big 12 but there's just something about the absence of quinn ewers that i think the second week in a row i think they're going to start to feel it and i'm I'm going to take it one further, not just Kansas State to uh, keep it close. I'm going to say the Wildcats go on the road and get the upset 28-24. Kansas State. Put it on the board. Okay. And I got a ticket. I got a a, a ticket from the casino for Texas making the college football playoff. So I'm not not thrilled to say it. I, Mm. uh, I haven't thrown away the Penn State one yet, but I might as well. Okay. Where are we going uh, next, Matt Green? Let's keep it moving. Is this the final chapter of the Bedlam series? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Cowboys are at home in this one. They're a six-point home dog. How do you see this one going? Well, I think it is. They're kind of pitching it as the final Bedlam, right? Like I think it's kind of understood that they're not doing this for a while. I don't think ever, but I think it is definitely going to go away uh, for a while starting uh next year which which sucks but it is what it is um at this point um oklahoma state like this is a sneaky you've seen, uh, you seen the fansville commercials on dr pepper the so we're just not we're just not rivals anymore i just i love those commercials those are good um in big 12 uh, in big 12 play so oklahoma state and oklahoma are both uh what got one loss now with uh, oklahoma going down to kansas uh, a week ago oklahoma state they're averaging 493 uh, yards in total offense and this is a team that like rotated like three different quarterbacks to start the year and alan bowman uh transferred in from his 19th school and you wondered how it was all going to mesh and it's meshing well like this is a this is a fully functioning offense this is kind of like those mike gundy uh offense that we knew and uh loved and kind of like uh, with warren a couple couple years ago with ollie uh ollie gordon here i'll get to in a second matt green but now, this is a great football team. Like, Oklahoma State plays great defense. Uh, their offense is, has an identity. They are not uh, an air raid kind of team, but they are hard-nosed, smash-mouth, and will run the ball down your throat. And they're leading the Big 12 uh, in scoring now, 37.6 points per game. Uh, Oklahoma is 7th in the Big 12 in total defense. I think that's not something you want to see if you're Oklahoma after just getting... Uh, getting uh beat by kansas uh on the road uh for the first time in many many years um i don't know this is a bit but they don't they don't break like they're only giving up 24.6 points per game they just give up a lot of yards the thing to me that's so interesting ollie gordon he's averaging almost 200 yards at 8.02 yards per carry in big 12 play like he is absolutely a man among boys in this conference right now uh, Matt Green like he is he is playing exceptional football week over week Ollie Gordon is a bona fide dude for the Cowboys all that being said 
you look at the history and you think it's going to be a little bit closer. Cowboys 20 and 82 all time in this series. Two wins in 10 years for the Cowboys. You thought it would be a little bit more even. You thought it would be a little bit closer than what you've seen. I don't think when, I thought that. <laughs> when it's a tie like this, tie goes to the Sooners. I don't think the Sooners go back-to-back losses here. I think this is bad timing for the Cowboys, getting them right after they lose to Kansas. I don't think we're looking at a slide here for Oklahoma. They still got the college football playoff in their sights. They can win out here. No, I don't think this is where the Cowboys win, but I do think this is going to come down to the wire. I think this is one you got to keep an eye on, uh, it being in still water. So give me OU 38, Oklahoma State 35. I think Oklahoma State covers. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, I think uh, Ollie Gordon is kind of the key to this one. Kansas ran all over Oklahoma a week ago. And to have the nation's leading rusher on uh, on Oklahoma State's sideline, I think that bodes well for them. And this just feels like the classic like kind of little brother inferiority complex type rivalry to me. And big brother's taking his ball, going to another conference. Like I feel like Oklahoma state's going to have like an extra chip on their shoulder for this game. I don't think Oklahoma state is necessarily better than Oklahoma in any way, but there's just something about the vibes I'm getting in this game. And I think I'm gonna have to take Oklahoma state to, uh, to pull the upset. So, um, it's upset city so far, sir. This wow. is the home dog of the week. Oklahoma State, actually. Oh man, I got a couple home dogs. This is this, this is isn't my home dog. dog of the week. This is a home dog. This is not the home dog. Okay. Um, give me Oklahoma State to win this one. Uh 34-30. I uh give that's the only reason this is this game's not gonna be over forever. Because Oklahoma can't they can't sit with uh, Oklahoma State winning the last Bedlam game. So this will be the mm. uh, the reason that uh, this rivalry gets renewed. So give me Oklahoma State upsetting the Sooners. Wow. Bad week okay. for the Big 12. Oklahoma and uh, Texas getting their second losses of the season. Man, we are uh, separate. We might need to call this separation Saturday on this very I program. I think it show. might be. Yeah. Um, let's keep it moving. Maybe another interesting one. Washington at USC. Mm-hmm. Trojans, four-point dog at home. And we know how rowdy of a home atmosphere uh, LA Coliseum can be if the fans Mm. decide to show up. Um, USC is going to get somebody. And they got three games left uh, on three ranked teams left on their schedule this year. Washington has four straight wins by single digits. Uh, coming into this one, it feels like they're trending in the wrong direction. How do you see this game going, sir? I don't think they're trending in the wrong direction. I think it's just a long season, sir. I think it's just part of it. Well, is... the U.S. the Oregon win was a huge win, but the yeah. last three wins by one score have not. They have not brought their uh, their A game. I don't disagree. They're they're struggling, but hey, they're taking care of business. A lot of teams are not taking care of business in the spot, like Arizona State. Uh, who did they sneak around and beat last week in an upset? Um, I know they almost beat Washington the week before, and yeah, they should have. I forgot who they beat last week. It was somebody they the I forgot who it was in the Pac-12 they beat last week. Um, I'm blanking on it. Um, but look, Stanford 
whatever. He still scored 42 points on Stanford, and then you get the Oregon dub. I think they. I think you're right that they do get got, but I don't think it's here. You get Utah at home the following week, and then you're at Oregon State and then the Apple Cup to, to end the year, but Washington State, who we've talked about, is on a big slide here. The problem is, like, USC is also on a slide, Matt Green. So when you're worried about Washington and where they're at, the problem for me is USC is also right there. Alex Grinch is still the defensive coordinator. They still have problems everywhere on this defense. The The body language, the vibes aren't good um, with USC over the last couple weeks. Are you worried about the team imploding? Like, because they are not competing for a college football playoff spot anymore. Like, this is a team that went into the season. This is it for Caleb Williams, probably, that had just big aspirations coming into the year. And it's over. Um, and we're in the first week of November. So I'm curious how... Uh, how the Trojans respond here. They, uh, I just, the Trojans are 52 and 30 and four all time in this series. They're 31 and 11 at home. My thing though, here is something interesting. And you, you can go through like the UW uh, school history stuff uh, on their website. So it's going through stuff. And Washington is eight now for just the sixth time in school history. Six. Here are their five previous seasons, and this will speak to where you're at with this this Huskies team that also started 8-0. 1923, lost game 9. 1984, lost game 10. 1991, birth year, lost game, or they finished 12-0. That's right. 1992, lost game 9. 2016, lost game 10. So a lot of 9 and 10. A lot of, a lot of those spots here. Guess what week it is, Matt Green? Week nine, or game number nine. Excuse me, week 10, game nine for the Huskies. Could it be that this is where they get got? I don't trust this USC team. I think this is exactly what the doctor ordered for Washington after a tough slog, 15-7 against the the Sun Devils the week prior. Uh, I don't, I just, I don't think this is where the Huskies get got. I think they do get got before the college or before the Pac-12 title game, maybe it's the Pac-12 title game to Oregon in the rematch. It just doesn't feel like this is the spot for me. I don't think Michael Penix Jr. and company go down against this USC secondary. I think there's uh, the receivers for UW have a big day. I think you this is not the intimidating environment that it might have been if USC's one loss or no losses coming into this one. I think Washington's going to be fine going into uh, the Coliseum for this one. So no, give me... Washington 48 USC 31 Yeah, I think I'm with you. I um I want to pick USC to win this game cuz I I feel like Washington is kind of like susceptible um but I I kind of question like the makeup of this USC team. Like are they in like are we worried about them like giving up and like kind of you know, just kind of folding the, down the stretch. Like, I, I don't know. So it feels like they definitely have the talent to, to knock off some someone like Washington. But it's also like USC is one of those teams that doesn't fly under anyone's radar either. Like, it doesn't really matter if they're if they're 12 and 0, if they're 10 and 0 or they're or they're five and five. Like, you're you're going to circle the USC game. You're going to bring your A game. So. I'm, I think I'm with you. I think this is going to be interesting for a while because I think these, these are two high-powered offenses. But I think I think Washington ends up taking care of business. So give me Washington like like 45, 45, 
38. I'll say that. Is that the same score you said? You said 48? No, I, I said 40, 48, 31. Oh, oh, 48, 31. You're going big. Yeah, I think they win comfortably here. I think the USC slide continues. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, let's keep it moving. Um, our next one, we got Texas A&M at Ole Miss. A&M is a four and a half point uh, road dog in this one. How do you see this one going? I have a hunch uh, that you're not going to go home. To, uh, you're you're not going to go road dog here uh, in this one, Matt Green. But we'll see. We'll see where you're at. <laughs> Ole Miss, the one loss. They missed their moment against Alabama a few weeks prior. But Ole Miss, really good football team. They are elite defensively over the last three weeks. So that's something that's new uh, with this group. The thing I would not overlook when you're thinking about this game, and I think this will be a very, very close physical matchup. Ole Miss cannot overlook AM. Um, AM obviously not playing for the college football playoff, SEC title, all that, with the injuries and everything else. That being said, that defensive front is still fantastic against the run. Their pass defense, um, I mean, with the just with what Texas AM is, I mean, they are loaded. Um, they're number one in sacks, number one in tackles for loss in the conference. But on the flip side, Ole Miss, Pete Golding and company, sneaky good hire maybe this offseason. The Rebels haven't allowed 300 total yards since LSU. And that was all the way back in September. So, um, That's the number one offense in college football. I mean, hey, it was right there. And that's no, hey, if you give up that kind of yardage to the number one offense in college football, that's okay. I think this is going to be a very close, low-scoring game. I think this is going to be both offenses kind of sputtering a little bit. I think both offenses are going to be kind of in the mud because I think both defenses are going to control this game. I think the trenches on both sides are going to control this game. But as much as I am thinking, like, could this be an upset? Could this be um, where Texas A&M gets a a nice win because you kind of need this for uh, by Petrino and uh, company. Like this would this would be nice if you're Jimbo Fisher. You mo- you would feel a little bit better about uh, where things are and it would cool your seat. I don't think the seat's all that hot uh, with the injuries and everything else and how they played this far. But I just do I see Ole Miss as a ten and two team or do I see them as an eleven uh, or a nine and three team? Is basically where we're at because you win this game, you're Ole Miss. You go to Georgia. I don't think you're winning that game, and then uh, UL Monroe and uh, Mississippi State to close out the year. But I think you're going to win both of those. I mean, you're looking at a fantastic season for Lane Kiffin, no matter what. But it's special if you get to ten and two at Old Miss, and your only two losses are to Bama and Georgia, both on the road. If I'm not mistaken, uh, with those two games, that's a great spot to be in. And I think that's where things are headed. I think Old Miss has proven enough throughout the course of this year that that's where they are as a program. They beat LSU. They've beaten uh, a lot of good teams on their schedule. They just find ways to win in different ways. And I think the defense is getting a lot better. They're finding their stride as a complete team here. I don't know. I think Ole Miss is going to be fine. I think they've won. They've shown they can win on the road ugly at Auburn. They take care of business at home against uh, Vanderbilt. They can win high scoring against LSU. They can do a lot of different things. They can, uh, I, I just... It's a long way of me saying I think Old Miss wins this one, but I do think AM keeps this very close and physical throughout. So give me a uh Old Miss. Give me Old Miss 31. Give me AM. Hmm. Give me AM 28. I think AM covers. 
All right. So I feel like we all wanted Texas A&M. It seems like as a as a college ball world, we've wanted Texas A&M to, uh, you know, take the mantle from uh, from Alabama, take over the SEC West. They've been they've been knocking on the door for years. This was the year, you know, this is the year they're finally going to do it. And no, it's just it's same old, same old. I, I believed it this year. I, I bought into the hype. And now, now that they've disappointed, now we all want Ole Miss. We all want Ole Miss mm. to just take care of business, set up this top 10 matchup in Athens next week. Like you said, that they're they're trending in the right direction. And that's why I feel like they're going to hit a door. And they're going to hit a wall, I should say. And I think A&M's going to come in and shock the world. I think... I think this Ole Miss team, you see, or you see what AM's this defense has done against Alabama and against Tennessee. Like they lead the country in sacks, number either number one or number two run defense in the SEC. Like this defense is legit. And I don't know that Ole Miss is better than Tennessee at this point. Um, I know they're not better than Alabama, and AM nearly won both of those games. So I um I'm gonna take Texas AM, and like you said. I think Jimbo's getting a little bit of a pass for some of these injuries, but man, six and three is a whole lot different than five and four. And it, things would feel a lot better in college station, but yeah, I think it's just like, because I've been the number one Ole Miss hater uh, this year and I want Ole Miss to win this game. So he set up a top 10 matchup next week, but just for that reason, I think Ole Miss is going to come out and lay an egg. So give me, Texas A&M 2420 going on the road and getting the win. Wow. You're just going for it this week. Few ups. I'm just going off vibes. I'm just I'm I'm I almost picked USC with my vibes, but um I I couldn't do it. Um but yeah, I just I don't know. There's something uh there's something weird. It's it's November now, man. This college football's it hadn't gotten weird enough yet. All right. I mean, if you believe it, Maybe it will happen. It. Let's do it. We'll put it on the board. Um, keeping it moving. Penn State at Maryland. Um, in this one, what is it? Ten and a half point uh, dog Maryland is at home in this one. Penn State has won seven of the last eight in this series. Six of the last seven have been by, or six of, the last, of those seven wins have been by more than 10 points. Give me Penn State. Because honestly, we're getting so down on Penn State, but it's just let's not get it twisted where Penn State's at. They're just not on Michigan and Ohio State's level. <clears throat> They're doing a great job of beating everyone else in the Big Ten the last few years. So, and and for most of James Franklin's tenure. So, give me Penn State to go on the road and uh and get it done. Thirty-one twenty. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's possible. I just <sighs> Penn State. Uh... The offense just hasn't been there. It hasn't been what you want it to be with Drew Aller to this point. But Maryland's coming off a Northwestern loss. I don't know if enough people understand that. They lost to Northwestern last <laughs> week, and they've lost three straight. I think Talia had six sacks in that Northwestern game, if I'm not mistaken. So they lost three straight. Um, also, this is a recruiting battle. Uh, so I think Penn State always takes this one personally, where it's like you're trying to you recruit a lot in the DMV, and I'm sure there's a lot of big time recruits for this one. It's kind of like a statement type game for Penn State, where they're like, "Hey, just to make sure recruits uh, in the area, you you understand uh, this is uh, the place to be. Um, you want to go to Penn State, we're close by, and not Maryland." So I think ultimately this has been a series that has just, I mean, especially been dominated by Penn State. Um, 
in the last three times that uh, Penn State's been at Maryland, they have outscored them 156 to 17. So Oof. it's been ugly. It's been a pretty lopsided, uh, I'm not going to say rivalry, uh, geographical uh, proximity <laughs> um, rivalry, I guess. But uh, no, I think Penn State, like you said, they're not uh, Iowa, but they're also not Michigan and Ohio State at this point. So give me Penn State. Give me Penn State 38, Maryland 14. 38 to 14. Put it on the board. Um, keeping it moving to the ACC. Um, we got NC State hosting Miami. And NC State is a four-point dog in this one. Miami's won four straight in this series, uh, actually dating back to 2012. So these two teams don't uh, don't play that often. But uh, how do you see this game going? No, they don't play that often. Um, but also, MJ Morris gets a big win against Clemson last week. So good for him. Uh, he's going to be the full-time guy going forward. But Miami also not as bad. Miami should only have one loss right now. I don't think people understand that. Miami's still been good. Uh, they had offense has been good. The defense has been good. Like Miami, the coordinator hires they made this offseason were top-notch. And if Mario Cristobal just kneels against George Tech, they're right there in the ACC title picture. And we're looking at Florida State, uh, Miami as the two best teams uh, in the conference right now. So I think people have maybe forgotten about Miami just since the Georgia Tech debacle happened. And I understand that. But Miami's number one against the run in this conference. MJ Morris has not shown enough uh, through the air that he can win when uh, things are shut down on the ground. So I don't like that matchup for him. And also, weirdly enough, uh, they're one and four against Miami when they've been the home team. So uh, Miami, I think this is a good matchup for them. And uh, Tyler Van Dyke has a big day. And I think uh, Miami rolls. So give me Miami. Hmm. Give me Miami. You Miami 35, NC State 17. So, yes, Miami could have one loss. They could also have four losses. This team mm. has been just going through it the last four weeks. Like, after those two losses, overtime went, double overtime went over Clemson, overtime went over Virginia. I don't think you just stroll into Carter Finley Stadium and come out with a mm. with a victory. I think NC State's got a low key home field advantage here. Um, give me the Wolfpack to uh, to win this one. Twenty seven twenty four. We're going all wow. out this week. Okay. No, and I'm not. We just are. This is separate. Got, uh, we disagreed on like every pick this week. Um, and yeah, and I'm we we agreed on Washington is and okay. Georgia and Alabama, and that's a that's about it. Um, but yeah, and I'm not even just doing this just to disagree, earn some points in the uh, in the pickup. I uh, I don't trust Miami. Okay, good reason um, for that. Let's uh, let's keep it moving. Oregon State uh, at Colorado. Colorado's a 13 point home dog in this one. Um, what's your vibes in this one? Uh, not great for Colorado. You get uh, jewelry stolen, and what, that was not a great situation. Uh, the Shador Sanders stuff is just rough. I mean, he's a great player, but he's just getting killed behind this offensive line. Uh, we're not going to get into the comments uh, from Dion on the offensive lineman and the production there uh, this week. But you don't want to get into it? No, it's just I don't like it. I wouldn't. I also just I think the timing was dumb. 
more than anything. Like, I don't even think that's a problem if you say it after the season. I think, I think we can get into it. I think it's lame. I mm. just think that there's nothing like a coach can say, we got to get better. Like all these guys, we got to get better. But to just be like, we got to get new offensive linemen. I don't know. That's just, that's a lame take. Just say, we got to get better. We got to get better at coaching. We got to get better at everything. Like we got to get our offensive lines got to get better. Like, you're making it those those existing players on the roster could be a part of the getting better. But if you're just saying, no, we got to go find new offensive linemen, you're you're saying these guys are lost causes. Like, I don't know. I didn't like it. I mean, I don't disagree. Like, I understand that take. I just think a lot of I mean, coaches think about that stuff probably all the time. And they're like, oh, we got to change this. That's why the portal is so active <laughs> is they they see True. it. Coaches know. I just you don't say it in the, when you still have four games left. Where it's like, if you're one of those linemen, then how are you feeling this week? Like, that's not something you say with games still to play. That's what I thought was weird. Not that he said it. It's just the timing was very strange. But it's also like, in terms of honesty, like you say, the offensive line's got to get better. You're calling him out publicly. Like, that's mm. a big deal. So it's like, yeah, coach called me out. Everyone knows our offensive line's been shit. We got to get better. It's like you can rally around that. You can motivate. But now you got four games left and your coach basically thinks you're trash and you can't get better. He needs to find new offensive linemen. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to how the mentality of that offensive line is moving forward. Absolutely. Um, but with all that being said, they're 13-point dogs at home. Oregon State, uh, tough sledding over the last couple weeks. But I don't trust this Colorado offensive line whatsoever. I think Shador is still going to struggle in this one with just... I mean, it's just hard. And I think UCLA battered him uh, last week and just kind of won with ease uh, against this Colorado group. And I just think Colorado is just reeling. And I think being at home will be a help here. But I think Oregon State will run all over uh, Colorado, keep the ball uh, in their hands and bounce back here. So give me the Beavs uh, to bounce back comfortably. I think Colorado's just got some real problems uh, down the stretch here. So give me Oregon State. 34 Colorado okay I'll say Colorado at, at home they cover give me Colorado 28 I was about to say like in fairness to Colorado like they haven't been getting blown out in many of these mm. like Oregon blew them out but the rest of these games have been pretty close games like I think uh UCLA is the only other team to beat them by multiple scores so mm. um I, I think I was kind of feeling that too like I think or I feel like Oregon State wins like comfortably, but what is it? 13. Mm. I don't know if I want to say two touchdowns. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll give them the two touchdowns. I'll go Oregon state 34 20. So give me okay. Oregon state to, uh, to win and cover. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's close. I think the first score I wrote down was actually 34 21. And this is a, this is a uh, 13 point spread. So yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with uh, with that spread for sure. Um, right. And our last one of the day, we got uh, out in the Pac-12. We got UCLA at Arizona, and you know, I've hopped on the Arizona bandwagon, sir. I'm. Uh, oh no, I'm, you're taking my home dog of the week. Oh, is this your home dog? Hey, this is wait, my home dog. Mind. This was Zeus's home dog last week, so you know, you're mm. you're you're in great company. But yeah, I think this is a. This is a solid defense, a solid offense. I, I know we know UCLA's got a good off a uh, good defense, but you know, this offense is has not been great to this point. Um, I think I like Arizona State. They're or Arizona, they're turning in the right direction. So give me uh this is gonna be low scoring though. Give me Arizona like 21, 21 to 16. I think 
this is going to be a tough matchup for uh, UCLA. Uh, they get a nice win last week. They are having a great year. Garbers has settled in as the as the starter. He's played better than true freshman Dante Moore. He'll still be the guy. He'll be fine. But I don't think they have as many ways to score and keep up with a team like Arizona, who's playing really well. New quarterback coming in there for Jaden Delora, and he's been electric uh, for them. It looks like he's going to be the guy going forward. I think Arizona's offense is legit, Matt Green. I think this is a legitimate good offensive team. Um, but UCLA only allowing 15 points per game. Uh, they haven't even given up over 17 in uh, seven of their eight games. So UCLA's defense with uh, Coach Len has been unbelievable this year. So shout out to him. But Arizona, five and three. Um, they scored 21 in every single game at the bare minimum. So it's just uh, which one wins this battle. And I think the home team gets a little bit of rub here. So, I mean... The series all time, 27, 18, and two uh, for UCLA, but Arizona won uh, last year, um, 34, 28. So I think it's a sneaky, better matchup for Arizona than people might think. So UCLA still on the right track, having a great year, but I do think Arizona gets a big win at home in my home dog of the week. So give me Arizona. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as last year. Give me Arizona 24, UCLA 21. I think this is close. All right, put it on the board. Yeah, we got a couple of a couple agreements there to uh, to end it. But um, this is going to be an interesting one. I think we're in. I think we're due for a few upsets this week. Absolutely. Well, we'll see, and we'll recap it uh, on the Sunday night show. So look out for that uh, on Monday morning in your podcast player feed or on YouTube. Check it out there. Uh, thank you as always for tuning in uh, to Matt and myself uh, twice a week uh, during the college football season. So we'll be back in a couple days. Matt, you enjoy your college football watching weekend. Enjoy the game in Athens. And you're going to stop me before fire, I get away. Fire. Yeah. The finger's up. A, What's up? Give me a Tennessee UConn score. Uh, I think they dropping 50. I don't know. Tennessee played with their food against Austin P uh, when they had them at home a few weeks back. Uh, I don't know. They've had opportunities that you would hope that they would have gotten more guys in. They haven't been able to. So I would like to say yes. Homecoming. Uh, they're wearing the summit blue aesthetics with their orange. I I think they do. I think Tennessee's really. Wait, fit. what? They're wearing that light blue is in their uniform. No, no, no. no. Like the armbands and stuff and the socks oh, and like oh. what they did last year. Oh, um, Tennessee UConn. This is a yes. women's basketball thing. Gotcha. Yeah, like homecoming. Yeah. This could be a. F- Final four matchup in uh, men's basketball this year, couldn't it? It could. It could. Um, but also women's uh, women's basketball, both top fifteen programs. Um, but no, I I think they. I want to see Nico is my main thing. Nico in the, in the second half is the main thing. We haven't gotten to see extended Nico time out of this point, but Joe's found his rhythm running the football. So I think that's just kind of opened up a lane uh, for Tennessee, where if they can do that, run the ball all over. UConn early and uh, get them in the second half. I give me Tennessee is just so good at home. Give me Tennessee 52 UConn 17. Oh God. I knew you were going to say 17. So what is that? That's like right at the spread. 52. Yeah. Is that 35? 52 mm, minus 17. It's 35 and a half. So you're picking UConn. No, the spread's 30. It's 30. I'm looking at 35 and a half right now. Did it go up? I saw 30 yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I'm looking on ESPN just on the scoreboard, but uh, I mean, that's yeah, tight. 30, 35 yeah. and a half. You hit 35, not believing in your team. Unbelievable. Get out of here.
I mean, they play with their food against UTSA <laughs> and them. I just, they haven't done it yet. So we'll see what they do. They're going to win, but I, let's see. I just want to get Nico some time. Let's get Nico some reps. And I want to see two quarters of Nico Yamaliava before the season's over. Well, Matt Green. And rise, th- UConn was one in seven. Wow. No, they're awful. Like it's been pretty, pretty abysmal. So <laughs> that will be fun. I'll see it. And we'll, we'll reconvene on Sunday night, sir, and uh, for the good folks on Monday morning. But thank you as always, my friend, and I'll talk to you in a couple days. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.